with inclusive work environments comes better communication or breaking down the walls of miscommunication. We know that it produces more cohesive teams and that we create higher performing employees when they can be their true or authentic selves with their differences. This is the Level Up Together podcast, a place to talk about building better relationships, leveling up your business and life, and living a life you've always wanted. While it's not easy, it's definitely worth it. So if that sounds like your sort of thing, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Tasha Baird-Miller, and this is Level Up Together. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another Level Up Together podcast. I'm excited to share that I'm partnering with Astoria Activewear. Astoria Activewear is a lifestyle brand that is focused on the promotion of health and fit-focused activewear. They bring you quality apparel to empower you as you reach for your goals. I'm so grateful to be part of their representative program that is built to provide support and spread positivity throughout our communities. Together, we are Astoria Strong. You can use the link in my Instagram bio at the red tulip underscore to check out Astoria's apparel. I invite you to use the code TBM15 to get 15% off your next order of Astoria activewear. Let's be Astoria strong together. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking with Ruth Rathblatt. Ruth is an award-winning CEO who is committed to creating inclusion for all. Ruth will speak about her personal and professional journey through the lens of someone with a visible disability and what it is like to live life without limits or labels. Ruth will touch on the subject of visible and invisible disabilities, covering hidden differences and otherness, and belonging. Her story will speak to how we rise above life's challenges to gain the freedom of letting go of shame, the power of living authentically, and the recognition that our differences are our greatest gift. Ruth's interactive presentation, combined with her belief that everyone has a unique gift to contribute, make her the right choice for your workplace. Ruth covers a vast range of topics, such as broadening the definition of diversity, challenging the assumptions about ability, the tools to create conversation about difference, accepting others' differences, the importance of finding your community, and the value of connecting with others and shared experiences. You can find Ruth's full bio in the podcast show notes at www.theredtulip.com. I truly enjoyed speaking with Ruth, and I'm confident you'll get some great takeaways from our conversation. Now let's dive into this episode. Hi, Ruth. How are you? I'm good, Tasha. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Me too, me too. So you're an inspirational speaker that focuses on diversity, inclusion, and belonging. Can you share your story and why you're so passionate about this topic? Sure. So my the short version of my story is about two years ago, I had some people from within my organization. uh, I run an organization up in Harlem called the Harlem Educational Activities Fund. And two people from my organization came to me to talk about the diversity on my executive team. And at that time, there were only four of us. So 
kind of thought I knew what they meant, but I had made a recent hire and they were wanting to understand that hire for a senior position. And we talked about the candidates that I had interviewed and had my recruitment process. I talked about the people who had held that position before. And what it started to boil down to, Tasha, was the idea of race, um, because the recent hire I had made was someone who was white, a white female. And we, they seemed pretty okay with the answers that I was sharing with them in terms of the process. And at the end, I said, you know, I'm curious, do you see me as diverse? And the answer back was, and these were two men, and the answer back was, well, you're a, a woman. And I said, yep, I am. You're right. And they said, so that's part of diversity. So that's the gender lens. And I said, okay. Um, again, I'm curious, what about my limb difference? Because Tasha, if we were in person, uh, you would notice that I was born missing my left hand. I have a limb difference. And so I asked them about that. I said, what about my limb difference? And the reaction was almost an immediate, well, I don't see you that way. I said, well, I'm actually not asking to be seen like that. I'm asking for it to be acknowledged as part of diversity and how we think about the lens of diversity. And it got me thinking about how we talk about diversity and inclusion in the work that we do up at Heath, but also it got me thinking about how corporations were starting to have diversity and inclusion as part of their vision and, and workplace. And so I started reaching out to some of my corporate connections, which was interesting because I was starting to ask the question about inclusion and how do they talk about it. And a lot of them were coming back saying uh, kind of the really three important pillars, the identity around race, the idea of gender, and the idea of sexual orientation. And I didn't feel included. And so I started having those conversations pretty intentionally and going to panels on diversity and inclusion. And I, again, I just didn't see myself included. And so I started asking and I was really lucky. Uh, one of my corporate contacts said, you know, we're hosting our inaugural inclusion week and I'm looking at the lineup of speakers and there's no one with a physical difference. And he said, would you want to come and speak? And I said, absolutely, and shared my story. And part of my story is that for 25 years of my life, I hid my hand. I hid it in professional circumstances. I hid it in, in personal relationships. And so it got me thinking about how do we really define diversity and how can we broaden that definition so that the visible differences like mine and the invisible differences like mental health challenges get included. And so I have made a passion project over the past couple of years to really speak at as many corporations and as many audiences um, so that people start to broaden the definition of diversity to absolutely be more inclusive. And really what I'm starting to do, Tasha, is work with organizations that want to build inclusive work environments. Because we know that with inclusive work environments comes better communication, or breaking down the walls of miscommunication. We know that it produces more cohesive teams and that we create higher performing employees when they can be their true or authentic selves with their differences. Yeah, it's such an important topic and I'm so excited to hear that you're really challenging our thinking 
Mm -hmm. about the topics that we include in this category and how we approach conversations. Uh, I'm curious, um, it sounds like the corporations that you're working with have been very receptive and responsive to the, the way in which you're approaching these conversations. What have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen in organizations that you have been an inspirational speaker with? Yep. I think it starts with the employees. And I think it's a great question because I think change takes time. But I think there are two things that uh, when I leave organizations after I've spoken that people either come up in the days in the pre pre COVID, the days when people would come up to you after speaking, and the days since in terms of they're linking in with you now through a virtual if you they've watched a virtual workshop or keynote. And there's two things I always hear. One is Thank you so much for not giving me another lecture on diversity and what I'm not doing, because I think that we are a little bit saturated in the diversity and inclusion space in terms of we have talked about a lot of things for a long time. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't continue to talk about it, but we need to find ways to be more inclusive about how we're talking about it so and include people for allyship, include people who we traditionally haven't haven't met or fit into one of those silos. And the other piece that I often hear is, thank you for including me and my difference in your talk in terms of whether it's someone who comes up afterward who has had a stutter or someone who has had a family background or a mental health journey. Because part of what I share when I talk is this idea of there's an angst around hiding, right? Because people, I think Deloitte did a study a few years ago that talked about hiding and covering at work. And it said that 61% of people cover a part of themselves in the workplace. And so there's this angst around hiding. Then there's this piece of this journey of acceptance of how do you find those employee resource groups or those shared experiences? But then there's still struggle, right? There's still, when you think about being authentic, it's not like all of a sudden it, you've accepted all about yourself and there's nothing else that comes up. There are still struggles. And so part of what I share is the places where I still struggle and where I'm still authentic and what, what trips me up sometimes. And so I think what I've seen in the companies where I've worked and talked is this idea of people saying, opening the lens of the conversation and then as managers starting to have those spaces, those to hold those courageous conversations with their employees, because managers often, and I'm guilty of it as well, we spend so much time focused on performance and productivity that we sometimes forget about people. Mm-hmm. And so that's the biggest kind of shift is that starting to own your own difference as a manager, starting to create space for conversation for your employees and for employees to start to recognize that they have a responsibility to share their own difference as well and where they need accommodation or where they need to let them to let their manager know about performance because it's not a one-way street. So you have very specific views on the power of living authentically. And this is the crux of it, right? Mm-hmm. How does one get to a point where they can feel comfortable and confident living authentically and being vulnerable in situations, whether it's in the workplace or um, outside of the workplace, where they can truly share 
these other aspects of them that people may not be aware of. Absolutely. I think it starts with the self. And you're right, I have pretty strong views on it in terms of just what I've known from my own lived experience of someone who's lived with a visible difference is that the piece of, I think, working on yourself first and owning your, your difference, whether again, it be like mine, which is a visible difference, or whether it be something in your background or someone in your family, um, understanding what difference can look like and what diversity can really look like. Then recognizing how you show up. So it's taking an inventory and stock of how you show up. Um, So it's not just knowing your difference, but how are you showing that in the world? And what's so interesting as a, a side note is when I was having that conversation with those two members and I walked away from it, I said, you know, I no longer hide my hand physically in my pocket, which I did as I shared for 25 years but maybe I'm still hiding it because I'm not talking about the experience with anyone. Maybe I'm still hiding it because people, I'm not telling them how hard it is when people stare at me because of my hand. I'm not saying how hard it is that I feel like I have to overachieve because of my hand. So I think there's a piece of recognizing how we show up. I also think it's about owning where you still struggle. Um, And really asking for support when you need it and finding the support when you need it, because there's a lot of tools, whether it be online or therapy or uh, ERG groups within companies, there are a lot of support places. And I think the other piece, it's when I think about authenticity, I often marry it with humanity because it's, it's about the self, but it's also about creating a culture where you can be yourself. So it's not just the employee who has to do some work on themselves, but it's also a company who develops that culture and makes that a value of showing up as your true self, your authentic self. Mm -hmm. It really is a a mindset shift, right? So we all have different stressors and pressures, and sometimes that leads us to have personal triggers or biases that we may or may not even be aware of. Mm -hmm. And those triggers create a reaction or response in how we are thinking or feeling about different things. And if we can go back to being aware of what it feels like when we're encountering some of those stressors and how we may be responding to them, we can shift our mindset to instead of being reactive to being more creative and open to the experience and sharing that with other people for that support and connection. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what you're talking about takes work, right? Because it is that period of reflection, whether it's at the end of your day or whether it's at the end of your week or the end of your year to think about how you showed up, what were the biases that you looked at during your day. And it's interesting, we are going through a learning journey right now with my executive team. And the facilitator and trainer has talked about this idea of reflection at the end of each day and really taking apart the day of what you've done well, but then also where you could do differently tomorrow, what it would look like. And so I think it's to your point, how do we examine and self-examine Um, And hopefully find good mentors and also managers who can help us with that process as well. Because a lot of it, while it is the self, there is a piece of reflection that can also happen and feedback that you can get from others. 
Mm-hmm. So talk to us about when you're doing a reflection and, you know, contemplating those things that, gosh, I really wish I could have said something a little bit differently or done something a little bit differently. How should people be viewing the circumstances in which they want to change in terms of being growth oriented versus being, um, you know, getting into that shame and blame game? Mm, mm. No, it's really a good point. I think that's where a couple of things come into play. I think um, for me, it's there's a few pieces. It's the journaling aspect of letting it out first, because I think a natural piece to your point is to, to blame and to hold shame. Um, but it's journaling to get it out. I also meditate to create space in my head for some of it. Um, and then I think there's also a piece around the growth, which is um, acceptance of what, of how you handle the situation and how you can move forward. But I do think that piece for me is also through checking it out with others. So whether it's finding a a really good mentor, um, finding a really good therapist, or finding a friend who, whom you trust, um, I think, and, and I would add in a manager, if you have a, a good manager who can really help you with that feedback process. And learn those that that follow-up technique because part of it is also about humility right like in terms of being humble and um not and not blaming yourself but being aware and taking ownership so that when you mess up recognizing that we all do because this perfection thing has got to stop and i think i will say i think oftentimes people who have overcome challenges or who have like myself have a limb difference i think i've spent a lot of time trying to be perfect to, to overachieve. Um, and that really is a much harder route in so many ways, uh, because there is a lot of them blame and shame. So, so when you can find these, um, authentic connections and you can share experiences, what value does it bring to the individual person, um, and the people around them? Yeah. Um, so interesting. So the shared experience, and I will talk on a personal level and then go a little bit broader, is I was lucky enough about four years ago, I was randomly just in a Dwayne Reed in my neighborhood um, buying paper towels. And I looked over to my left and saw a woman with one arm. And the day before, I had coincidentally seen a man running in the park also with one arm. And I honestly, Tasha, throughout my life have not really spent a lot of time or had noticed people that looked like me. And I think there were some blinders there. And I saw this woman, I spoke to her and I said, you know, it's so funny. And in the same two days, I saw two people. She said, well, do you know about a group called the Lucky Finn Project? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, Thinking maybe it had to do with Lucky Charms or I wasn't sure, cereal. Um, and she said, yeah, no, it's a group of people born with limb differences. There's a whole community out there. And I had gone 47 years at that point of my life, not realizing that there was a community really feeling alone. Mm-hmm. And I obviously rushed home and left the paper towels and looked up this lucky Finn group. And what was amazing at that time, there were 40,000 members of a Facebook group all of whom either had a limb difference or were family members of people who had limb differences. 
and they held a picnic every summer. And so I got on a plane that summer and I went. And what was amazing is I was able to connect with people who had also had a limb difference, but had, I wasn't the first person to hide my limb difference. Um, and for a long time, many people did. We got to talk about the things that we did that we all thought we were so alone about. And so I think that was one part of that, that connection. And the other was the beauty of being able to share forward some of my experience to those that were younger and to their family members. Um, so that, you know, I had parents who I talked to who had young kids who were saying, oh, wait, so you had a, a very successful career, an education career, and then a nonprofit career. So there's a hope because I think parents worry about success with with their kids. Um, there was also an opportunity to to talk to the young people and the kids about um, just even dating and relationships that finding love. It's all the things that we worry about. And if you don't have people in your life that maybe have gone through something similar, you can get stuck in thinking that you're so alone and thinking that you're so disconnected and lacking that you can feel so isolated. And so when I think about um, the shared experience and the importance of employee resource groups or affinity groups, or even groups like Al-Anon or AA, I think about that it's because of the shared experience. It's having a mutual aid support group where you can connect with people who've gone through something similar. And you can also then serve as a role model or as someone who can connect with you around what you've gone through. Mm -hmm. Well, those experiences help lift you up individually, mm -hmm. but it also lifts all the people around you. Absolutely. And then, and you learn and you realize, I mean, I think a lot of this journey, at least what I'm experiencing, and I think COVID has probably highlighted it, is the importance for human connection. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that our differences are actually going to be what brings us together because we all have differences. But if we actually created space for those differences and talked about them, we'd realize how much more connected we are. Because I can't tell you, Tasha, how many times I share about my hiding story of hiding my hand and somebody will say, oh my God, I have felt like that at this time in my life. And they never would have brought that up without me sharing my vulnerability, my challenge. Um, and so, or my difference. So for those of us who may be uncomfortable starting the conversation about differences, or maybe don't have the necessary tools to have the confidence to do that, where would someone start? How would they, would they begin a conversation around differences? Yeah, I go back to, it's kind of a, a four-step method. It's, I think, working on yourself is always number one, like owning where you have felt shame or you have felt different um, and thinking about those times and then thinking about the learning part. That's the second step is learning, doing the research before you ask the question under like learning about it. So if someone were to want to know about my hand, a, they can, I prefer when people just ask, but if you're uncomfortable with that, it's the idea of, where else have you maybe felt like you were uncomfortable? The idea is then learning about, wow, what is amniotic band syndrome? I don't even know. Then listening and asking the question and being curious, because again, it's not about um, asking it to, to 
a gotcha question, but it's a curiosity question. And so when it comes with that intent, I think then there's a level that is, is um, set. Mm -hmm. I also think that it's up to us to, to create that space. And so whether it's being in a manager role and sharing something about yourself so that somebody feels comfortable enough to then share out is going to be important, but it is, it all drives around culture. But I do think we have a responsibility, whether it's again, owning our difference, learning about others, listening to their experience when we are curious. Mm -hmm. So, so what would have to be true about our culture, our society, our community to Mm -hmm. enable us to recognize our differences as our greatest strengths and greatest gifts? Yeah, that's the utopia, right? Such a good question. It's such a juicy question. Um, I think for us to really be recognizing that our differences are our greatest gift, we have to a be willing to be real, right? So we have to set an uh, a standard that being authentic and being real is part of what we want to achieve. And so there's conversation about that. As I shared before, I think it's about owning our own differences first. Um, I think it's then we really, it's the other standard I would say is we really have to get behind valuing differences. And that means valuing differences of opinion. That means valuing differences of mental health, of background. So I think it's a, it's a global conversation. It definitely would be wonderful to have a national conversation where we could recognize difference um, of opinion um, so that we, I think what happens a lot, Tasha, is that I see, and I, I don't know if you've seen it, is we get so afraid, not necessarily of asking someone about their difference, but of the ramifications of what comes after that we're going to get in trouble or we're going to be seen as a certain way because we've asked the question. And so people are so afraid to ask the question in some ways because we've been so changed to being politically correct that we're so afraid to ask. So I think we have to build some safety nets so that people feel like there is room to be curious. Um, But it's going to be a real paradigm shift in terms of how we talk about diversity um, by opening up the conversation and setting some real goals around it. Because I know the people that I want to hire on my team are the ones that have overcome challenges, that are the ones that see their difference as their gift, because it's what makes them unique. I don't want the same people on my team that all look alike, sound alike, and act alike. I want the people who express themselves and act different, you know, have a voice. But I think that's about, um, I don't, I don't know when that comes, but I do think my goal in this is recognizing and sharing out so that people start to say, wow, you know, that thing that's about my background, I've overcome that, or I've not only overcome it, but it's challenged me. And so I've had to think differently because Honestly, Tasha, I've spent my whole life having to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that acknowledgement. It's not, it's not, you know, being seen. It's being acknowledged and, you know, being accepted mm-hmm. for all aspects of what you bring to a conversation and experience. 
Absol absolutely. Um, and I think you hit it on the head. It's, it's about acceptance. It's about belonging so that you feel like you belong there, but that's because people have accepted it. And so that acceptance piece is huge. Mm -hmm. So what's on the horizon for you? What are you mm -hmm. really excited about these days? Um, that is a great question too. These are all really good questions. Um, I, so what excites me is so the work I do in my day job is ex really exciting. And I think it especially is so super important in terms of, so I run a nonprofit an education nonprofit that focuses on getting students to and through college. And we focus on what we call the sweet spot of the middle. So the student who's not always at the top of their class and not at the bottom necessarily, but those students who are in the middle who often get overlooked for programs. And we work with them really young. We work with them in sixth grade and we get them all the way through college graduation. And this year, because of COVID, obviously I'm more intently aware of the needs of young people around education and especially education equity, technology equity, uh, career equity. So financial equity, racial equity, and so I think that um, the work that I do at Heath is definitely really important and impactful in terms of getting students that access to opportunity and that access to exposure, whether it be career exposure or college exposure or just education platforms. And we've had to go online with all of it. So that's been a big shift with the work we're doing. And I would say, you know, kids, part of the student life and the kind of natural development is that stage of individuation where they're supposed to separate from their families and be with their friends and be with their peers. And that's how they develop. And because of COVID, obviously they have been isolated and separated from their peers and living with their families. Um, and so it's been a tough year. So I think the mental health piece of, of long-term mental health effects, I should say, of COVID on young people and the students I work with in particular and the families is really important work right now. Um, I think what's continuing to be on the horizon is my passion project. So the idea of really broadening the definition of diversity and including the young people that I work with at Heath and beyond in terms of finding their a youth voice. Because I think, you know, while you ask the question of what's it really going to take, I do think the generation, the young, the youth generation is going to be the voice of difference um, because they're already expressing themselves in such different ways. So I think trying to help marry those two pieces of my work at Heath and expanding that throughout New York City and around and across the country, but also tapping into that youth voice that I have almost as a focus group to sharing the finding your difference voice and really broadening the definition of diversity. So somehow marrying those two worlds to get the young people talking about difference because that's probably where it's gonna happen. And they're so much more attuned in some ways to social media and how to have things go viral. So tapping into them as well is gonna be important. Mm -hmm. And that social media aspect really plays a huge role in, um, in our youth and the way they view the world. And so having tools and strategies and uh, experiences like you're talking about to help, you know, sift through what they're seeing in social media that may or may not be true and therefore may or may not influence them in the right direction um, is really important. So uh, the work you're doing is, 
is so incredibly important right now. And even the, I mean, I would say even the access and the um, ability to see things that are different with social media, right? So, I mean, I know during the pandemic, I have definitely been guilty of the rabbit hole of TikTok and mm-hmm. just exposure to difference can happen there. Um, whether it's a different way that someone it looks, a different way that someone acts, a different way that someone's thinking about things. Um, there are so much, so many more media outlets now to get those voices out for good and for not so good sometimes. But I do think there's power behind it. It's just how do we channel it so that we, it's not, it doesn't become bullying. Mm-hmm. So I always ask my guests, um, about the mark that they want to leave on this world and, and what their legacy looks like, you're already so far down your path of really making an imprint um, and an impact in this world. But as you think about, you know, the future and, you know, you reaching a retirement age where you can look back and say, how did I make this world better? What does that look like to you? Well, first, the retirement word sounds really good right now because it's been a challenging <laughs> year. So, um, but in terms of, yeah, the legacy, I think that it's the idea that difference is our greatest gift, that it makes us unique. It's what it separates us. It's what makes us people. Um, and yet it's also what brings us together. And so if I almost look at it like a, a t-shirt design, I think of difference equals connection. And if that's the message that I could get out there, that difference equals connection, then I've done my job. I think you've got your new hashtag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a t-shirt and a hat and all of it. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Um, The other question that I like to ask is related to the name of this podcast. Um, So level up together really is around bringing people together Uh, to share strategies and support with one another around how to level up their business and life. And so I'm curious, what does level up mean to you? Yeah. Um, You know, when you're saying it, it absolutely means to me um, being your best self. It means absolutely being there for others. But I would say it's a, um, it's a process that I think is, it's definitely individual, but I will share for me what leveling up looks like is I had a, uh, one of my girlfriends years ago, and I'm talking years ago, um, show me an exercise that she does every year in terms of assessment and leveling up my upcoming year. Which So every New Year's Day, I do a pr- process of journaling around kind of three specific things. One is how did I spend my, my new year's Eve. Second, what were my accomplishments for the year? What did I actually do during the year from the smallest to the biggest? And so really recognizing and taking time, not just about gratitude, though, I think there's a piece there, but about talking about what I did, whether it was going for a walk every day during COVID and taking pictures, that was an achievement to traveling, to getting back to traveling. So really taking a kind of an assessment of what was my year? What did I accomplish? And then saying, setting the goals that are tied to what do I want to look back in a year from now and say I've achieved and not just goals of our typical ones. You know, the most popular I think every year is lose weight, exercise more, but really thinking about 
what do I want this list of accomplishments next year to look like, but keeping it simple and saying, what are the five things I know I want to do? And so for me, leveling up means taking inventory and it mean, and then being able to have a goal set, um, if that makes sense. So that's mm-hmm. how I think about leveling up is definitely being your best self, but not just through words, but through actually assessment and reflection and, I, and, and introspection. And I think COVID has allowed us to have that space and time for a lot of introspection. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. This has been such a fun and inspiring conversation. No, thank you so much, Tasha. And your questions are so juicy and thought-provoking for sure. So thank you for the opportunity to share my path and my journey. Friends, as many of you know, I am a corporate leader and an executive coach whose passion is to inspire and educate women on how to build better relationships, level up your business and life, and live a life you've always wanted. In my elite executive coaching experience, we cover topics like finding your purpose, leading with courage, improving productivity and energy, creating high-performance habits, and mastering your resilience. If you're ready to level up your business and life, book your free discovery call today at www.theredtulip.com. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And as always, anything mentioned, any links, any notes, those will all be over on theredtulip.com in the podcast section of our website. So just head on over there and take a look. If you haven't connected yet with me personally, I would love to meet you. Come find me on Instagram at theredtulip underscore and send me a DM. Let me know you listened to this episode and let me know what you thought. Or come to the Level Up Together Facebook page and say hello. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Thanks for being brave. Thanks for being amazing. And thanks for being you. I can't wait to chat next time.